You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports and FanSided. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Monday, March 5th. It's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. And I, the reason the, the podcast was delayed today, I do apologize for that. I know a lot of you like to listen to it in the car on the way to work. I want to get you primed every day with as much information as possible. The problem was Monday was a huge day at the NFL Combine for the defensive backs, which is a critical position of need for the Packers going, in, going into this offseason. And I didn't want to have to talk about the Combine without those players in the conversation because along with edge rusher, offensive line, receiver, tight end, there is a lot of corners that Packer fans like and want to hear about. The safeties, Derwin James, we have to talk about. So I'm bringing you a later in the day episode. I apologize if that screwed up your routine. Another reason why it worked out to do it this way is A report came out Monday morning from Ian Rappaport at NFL Network that Muhammad Wilkerson, who was cut from the New York Jets and is a former Mike Pettin player. In fact, Pettin was the D.C. in New York when Wilkerson was a rookie and had some of his best seasons with Mike Pettin. His first free agent visit is likely to be in Green Bay. Brian Gudekinst at the Combine, something we talked about with Tex Western last week. The Packers want to be in on every free agent. This would be a different kind of situation because not only could they sign Wilkerson as a free agent, but because Wilkerson was cut, he is a different kind of free agent. The Packers would not have to wait to sign him. They could simply go out and sign him because he is not part of this quote-unquote free agent group. Because he's a free agent right now. His contract is not up at the end of the league year, which doesn't end until mid-March. So that's the difference there. And, And it can't be understated how good Wilkerson was in his prime and when he was motivated in New York. He was outstanding playing for Mike Patton. He is an exceedingly talented player. I wanted him in Green Bay when he was coming out of Temple. He can play the edge. He can rush inside. He is an incredibly talented pass rusher. He is long. He is big. And he is disruptive. If they put him on a front line with Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, and that's your three-man look, you could play a lot of base and you can get pass rush on first and second down with just those three guys. And what's more, you could play more base. One of the reasons the Packers have had to go to more nickel looks and these NASCAR looks is to get more pass rushers on the field. Well, if you have Wilkerson, you don't have to give up pass rush. Dean Lowry is not the pass rusher that other players in the league at that position are, but he's solid. But there are very few players that are the quality of pass rusher 
inside and outside, that Muhammad Wilkerson is. He is not quite J.J. Watt level, but in his prime, he was just a tick below. A dominating, exceedingly disruptive force. And if the Packers were able to bring him in, he would be a potential game changer if he's properly motivated and in shape. I've had some fans push back a little bit on this because he wasn't good in New York last year, and I agree. He's had some off-the-field problems. He's had some attitude problems, some motivation problems. What you would do, if you're the Packers, the only way you'd sign him is if, number one, Mike Patton signs off, and number two, when you meet with him, he understands and agrees. You assume he'd be meeting with Patton particularly understands you're going to come in and you're going to be motivated you're going to you're going to work hard you would you would lay all sorts of incentives in the contract if you start 16 games if you make the pro bowl if you have 10 sacks if you have 5 sacks put those incentives in a deal and say look earn a new contract come in we will give you a contract laden with incentives come play for us earn your keep and we'll sign you to a deal because He's the kind of player who, if he were properly motivated, he's the kind of guy you just have on your team his whole career. He's still only 28. He'll turn 29 in October. So a three-year deal, if if that, you, know, you sign him to a one-year deal now, maybe you sign him to a two- or three-year deal that's really only a one-year deal that you could get out of after the first year, that is the ideal situation. He's 32 when the deal is over, and if he hasn't been great, not a lot lost. If he's not good in year one, you cut him. If he is, you keep him. And then you have him on a discount. So there's a lot of different ways Green Bay could structure this to make it work. We're going to see. The fact that this was the number one name, that the, the Packers were the top of the list, I think that only happens if the Packers have interest. And they're going to kick the tires and I think it says something about the difference in the regimes. Right now, Wilkerson is by far the best player currently available. Now, we're not including guys that are going to be free agents. But if you, if you added him to the free agent crop, you could make the case that other than Kirk Cousins, who plays a different position, and a position that is critical in terms of its value to a team, that Muhammad Wilkerson is the most talented player who would be available in free agency. Now, one of the other things that has come out this morning in particular is that the, the Jacksonville Jaguars do not plan to franchise tag Allen Robinson. He is the guy on this list, if you're going to look at the list of free agents, who would have a claim to be the most talented if it's not Wilkerson. Now, we, obviously, we don't, we don't know if, if Wilkerson will ever be the player that he was earlier in his career, but if he is, and he can be, then he has to be considered a top-tier free agent, and the Packers could get one before actual free agency even starts. But the Allen Robinson thing is interesting, and Kyle Fuller in New York, a cornerback who's coming off his best year as a pro, neither of them are going to get the franchise tag. That means they will go to the open market. That means the Packers could go throw a big money deal at one of them, or frankly at both of them, depending on, uh, on what they're able to do with the contracts at receiver and how this Aaron Rodgers extension shakes out. The report is that is close. They're waiting on Kirk Cousins, which is a, a weird thing. But 
the Packers are going to re-sign Aaron Rodgers. All of the all of the Doomsday fans can relax. They're going to re-sign Aaron Rodgers. That contract is coming very soon. But the my point here is, if they sign Wilkerson, and it won't cost that much, I don't think, to do it, that still puts them in position to go get a high-impact player in free agency at another position. And this was a position, defensive end, that in terms of a guy who can play the five technique and then who can rush inside, who can do the different kinds of things that Mike Pettin is going to ask, those guys are hard to find. Guys as big, as athletic, and as good in the pass rush game as Wilkerson, they don't grow on trees. There is not a guy like him in the draft, not even close. So to be able to get someone like that would really be an enormous boon for the Packers and makes their defense instantly better. Even if you're only going to get 85% of peak Wilkerson or 80%, it's better than Dean Lowry and it's better than probably anyone they've had at a similar position since prime Colin Jenkins. And that is an enormous boost for this defense. And then you could have money for an Allen Robinson or a Kyle Fuller. I wish we had more time and maybe we can talk later in the week about Robinson and Fuller because either or both could make enormous impacts on this team and they're players who I didn't think would be available two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I assumed that either they would be re-signed or they would get the tag. Now maybe they're not getting tagged because the teams feel like they can work out a long-term deal in the interim or maybe not. Maybe they're just saying, look, we think the price tag is too high. We've allocated our resources elsewhere. Maybe the Bears want to go offensive. The Bears have a a horde of cap space that they could be using to sign Kyle Fuller. If they don't, what does that say about him as a player? The Jaguars have less flexibility. If they Now that they've extended Blake Bortles, they have a lot less space to re-sign Allen Robinson to a big-time deal. So there could be writing on the wall there. We're going to move on and discuss the combine in just a second. But before we do, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That gets you access this time of year, especially to draft data, all sorts of profiles. It's not just charts and numbers and and doodabs and plus signs and minus signs. It is not super nerd central. There is writing on there, analysis, breakdowns, all sorts of good info. Not not demeaning nerds and dorks in any way because I am a football nerd and dork, so don't at me about that. But put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win all of that, a $39.99 value that I want to give to you for free. All right, we have to get into some of this draft stuff because there is so much to discuss. Of the names that we've talked about on this podcast that are in play at 14, Derwin James, he came in and checked all the boxes physically. He is big and he is a freaking athlete. 11 foot broad jump, 40 inch vertical, 44840. It seems like he should be gone by the time the Packers pick, given his athletic ability, his playmaking ability, his versatility. And any other illity you want to throw in there. Here's the thing. And I've said this before. And I will keep saying it until the draft. There could be three, four, five, six quarterbacks taken in the top 13 picks. 
And so that is going to push these players down. Denzel Ward, another player at a key position who seemed like a lock to be a top 10 player. He comes in at, at under 5'11". He checks in under 190 pounds. And so you say, oh, maybe he's going to fall down a little bit. And then he goes out and runs 4'3'2", which is ridiculously fast. Lewis Riddick from ESPN had a great line. As a corner, you can either you can be slow or you can be small, but you can't be both. He is only one. There's a lot of comparisons to Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward was a little bit heavier coming out, but a very similar size, and, and Ward is much faster, much more athletic. So the, the, the idea that he can't be a number one boundary corner is absurd, but, but the size could push him down. If it does, it could push him down far enough to be in range for the Packers. Marcus Davenport, another player that we've talked about a lot on this show. He comes in 6'5", 266, and runs 4'5", broad jump in the 91st percentile. And I said, just be average. Just be okay in the agility drills. And he was, almost to a T, 47th percentile, 53rd percentile. He's right at average, but extremely explosive in a straight line and and big, athletic. He seems like a top 10 pick at this point. It's going to be tough. We're going to talk about this later, though, because the league may not agree. And just, just circumstance, that may be true. Now, another edge rusher that I thought worked out really well, Harold Landry from Boston College. He looks, when you see him, a little bit undersized because he's so skinny. He's so lanky. But he is 250. I mean, he is he is big enough. He is an ideal, he, like very similar testing wise to what Clay Matthews was. He's extremely athletic, and if he can stay healthy, he is a game changer on the edge. I think he is the ideal fit. Very similar in in skill set and ability to what Bruce Irvin was. I don't know if he can play in coverage, but the Seahawks didn't either when they when they let Bruce Irvin play his hybrid position. So this is going to be fascinating to see how that part of the draft shakes out. Josh Jackson, on the other end, he runs sub 4'5 at 6'2", 198 or, or thereabouts. That seems great, right? But then in position drills, he looks stiff. He looks lost. He looks out of place. Ball skills, incredible. But he didn't play the same kind of coverage at Iowa that Mike Pettin will ask him to. A lot of college schemes... They, they don't even ask corners to backpedal, really. They're playing off. They're playing bail technique. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of playing catch-up that he has to do. It didn't look like he even prepared to do the drills. That's a bad sign. It's a red flag. Is it a big one? I don't know. But the idea that he has one year of college production, he doesn't tackle, and so if he's going to come into the combine thinking, I'm a top 20 pick, I don't even have to prepare. That is, that's a bad sign. I don't know if that's what happened. I don't know if he got nervous. But none of the, none of the possible explanations for what happened are good for him. So I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions. But whatever happened, it's bad. It does not reflect well on him. Now, does that take him out of the running at 14? I don't think so. But... It certainly doesn't reflect well on him. And then there's then there's another, you look at Tremaine Edmonds, is a name that's been thrown around with, with Green Bay at 14. He's a 19-year-old. He's 6'4", 250-plus, runs 4'5", 5'5", somehow. 
He's great in the jumps. He looks really good in position drills, the linebacker drills, dropping. He wasn't asked to do that a lot at Virginia Tech, and so you know I wondered if he could do it, but and he looks good in the drills. He's the ideal Sam linebacker in a Mike Pettin defense. So I would really love to see, you know, he's someone who can blitz. He can play on the edge, but he can also play um, in coverage. He can play the run. He's someone who I think I need to be a little bit higher on. It's the instincts that I worry about with him, but he's only 19. He can grow. He can learn. And if you put him in your defense day one, by year three, when he's 22, the same as whatever incoming class of rookies, he can be a Pro Bowl player. That, that's not to say that he can't be an impact player in year one, but the great thing about taking someone like Edmonds at 14 is you have quality guys on the team already. He wouldn't have to play a major role. He can play a sub-package role. He can give you snaps here and there. He can play on the edge. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can do anything you want him to do. We can't we can't not talk about Mike Gusecki, the tight end from Penn State. He has one of the best combine workouts ever. Not a joke, ever. 4540, 40-plus 40 inch vertical at his size. You know, talking about a, a guy who's 250 pounds, 6'5. He is the prototype of a modern tight end. And and the idea, I understand there's some criticism. You you watch him at Penn State, he doesn't consistently separate from man coverage. Okay. How many times have we seen guys with freak athleticism who've barely played the position come in and learn it? Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, Julius Thomas, and quarterbacks, good ones, make them better. Imagine him with Aaron Rodgers. Mark Andrews tested well. Ian Thomas, the tight end from Indiana, tested well. We didn't even get to see Dallas Goddard. He's, he's still nursing an injury. Hopefully we get to see him at his pro day. He will test well. Cortland Sutton, there were questions about him coming in. If you listen to the Chris Trapasso episode from CBS Sports, had him going to the Packers at 14. He comes in at 6'3", 218. He runs 4'5", in the 40, 4'5", 5'. He comes in and has some of the best agility times, the three cone, the short shuttle, in the class at receiver, at his size. He may be raw as a route runner, but his physical tools are there, and that's all you need because he's big, he's got great hands, and if you can get him to be a little bit more nuanced with his route running, he gets to come in and he gets to watch someone who has become a craftsman as a route runner like Devontae Adams. You get to learn about body control and positioning from Jordy Nelson, and you get Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball. I mean, now you could really have something. And DJ Moore is the other guy that, that is going to come up again and again for the Packers. Uh, there's a disagreement, I think, about where his stock was before the combine. Moore is a favorite of draft Twitter. There's a lot of people online that really likes DJ Moore. But my sense is, in the NFL circles, he wasn't in that top tier. He wasn't a top 50 player coming into the combine. I think it's hard to keep him out of that mix now given his productivity at Maryland and the fact that he tested incredibly well. Came in at six feet, which is big for him, over 200 pounds, and then he runs 4-4, jumps off the charts, and looks great in positional drills. He is the real deal at receiver. He could be someone in play at 45. The Packers may not even be able to wait until 45 to get him if he's a player that they're going to target. So a lot to be excited about for the Packers in terms of players that they could be high on 
but will there be the right guys there when they pick? That's the question that they need to answer. But to my point earlier, a lot of the, the players that the Packers like did well. And I found myself a couple times saying, oh, you know, player X just tested his way out of the range for the Packers. But there's only so many players who can go. There's only 13 guys who can go before the Packers pick at 14. And so Peter King, and we did this exercise a couple weeks ago, and I think it's it's good to check in and, and sort of do this again. Peter King talked to some coaches, some front office people, and, and essentially took a poll and said, who do you think the top 10 players are, the, the first 10 guys to go? Who will they be? And so Peter King came up with a list of 10 guys. And in some order in the top 10, he, he suggested pretty close to this order, Saquon Barkley, Sam Darnold, Bradley Chubb, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Quentin Nelson, Minka Fitzpatrick, Denzel Ward, Roquan Smith. So you've got Darnold, Allen, Mayfield, Rosen. That's four quarterbacks that are pushing down these other really good players. Guys who are not in that mix, who the Packers could reasonably want, Josh Jackson, Marcus Davenport, Tremaine Edmonds, Derwin James, Connor Williams, Calvin Ridley, Harold Landry, Vita Vea, Cortland Sutton, Mike Hughes. There are a ton of players in this mix who are just, there's not enough spots for them all to be drafted. So the Packers are going to be in position to get one of these really good players. That is the advantageous position that they're in with the 14th pick in a draft that may only be 20 or 22 players deep in terms of the top tier talent. And really, when I say top tier talent, I'm really only talking about legitimate first round players. There is no top, top tier talent except for Saquon Barkley. That's it. He is the ultra elite guy. And I wouldn't even take him number one overall. This is, this is the problem with a running back and really any non-premium position, which, which running back is. That said, if Saquon Barkley somehow, and he would never, but if he did fall to 14, it's a no-brainer. You take him. You take him. But you don't, you don't trade up to get, I mean, none, none of that stuff. I've had some, some fans suggest that to me. No, no. That, that will not be a thing for me. Thank you. But the Packers are going to have a lot of options. And that is, that is I think, what I came away from the combine thinking the corners looked really good. They tested incredibly fast. I think the Packers will look at an enormous list of quality corners there. And, and later in the week, we will go through some Packer types. Maybe we even get Justice Muscada, who, if you've been listening for a long time, has been on the show before, to talk about those types and, and who could be in the Packers' mind on their board as we go through this process. We're going to have a show Wednesday and a show Friday. And we're going to get into a lot more on the Combine. We'll look ahead to free agency, which starts in a little over a week. And that means we're going to have a lot of interesting, fun things to talk about. If you want to talk about a player, a free agent, a person in the draft, let me know. And we'll talk about it. If you have a question, send it at Peter underscore Bukowski on Twitter or at LockedOnPackers. Make sure you're reading acmepackingcompany.com. Make sure you're reading fansided.com, fanregnfl, and always stay locked on Packers.